the year 1953. A plane touches down at Smithy's Airport in Sydney. On board is an American named Lee Gordon. The Australian music scene will never be the same again. From then until now, these are the stories. Hey there, this is Sheldon the Kangaroo Kid and you're listening to Awesome Aussie Songs. This episode focuses on the solo career of Digby Richards. He was Australia's very first teen idol and as lead singer of Dig Richards and the RJs and as a solo artist, he proved he was more than just a pretty face. Digby achieved chart success over three decades and his music is as diverse as any other Aussie musician. To my way of thinking, Digby Richards is a sort of forgotten man of Australian music. His legacy and his entire catalogue is as diverse as I've ever heard. His musical styles changed, but more importantly, he did it bloody well. In this episode, I speak with Leon Isaacson and Dig's younger brother, Doug Richards. The sound quality of the recording with Doug isn't that great, so I apologise for that. However, what is great is the music you're about to hear. I hope you enjoy listening to the solo career of Digby Richards. So this is part two of my chat with Leon Isaacson. This episode concentrates on uh, Dig Richards or he became Digby Richards and his solo career. So Dig continues to release new music through festival and has some chart success with a great cover of a Ricky Nelson song, Raincoat on the River. I'm gonna throw my raincoat in the river gonna toss My umbrella in the sea The sun's gonna shine like never before It ain't gonna rain, gonna rain no more now My baby's coming back to me I said now My baby's coming back to me mm, Can't you see? My raincoat in the river floating down Forever out of sight For every drop of rain that fell on my face I know we're gonna share another sweet embrace Now my baby's coming back to me I said now my baby's coming back to me I know the rain's been a-drippin', a drip drop a drippin' every day you've been away. But all of that is a-stoppin', there'll be no drip-a-droppin', you're back to stay. That's why I say I'm gonna throw my raincoat in the river, gonna toss my umbrella in the sea. The sun's gonna shine like never before. It ain't gonna rain, gonna rain no more now. My baby's coming back to me I said now My baby's coming back to me Come, 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 come Now my baby's coming back to me Did you play on this song? I didn't play on, on the first raincoat in the river But I played on a second track we, we put a different riff in it, but the, the one that was a hit, no, I wasn't on it. Well, to me, one of the best songs recorded by Dig in this period is a song, Live and Love and Wreck. It's the B-side to Come On and Dance, and you guys were cooking in the studio. 
play on that though didn't you Living oh yeah I, I did but by that time we weren't the rjs anymore anymore we were the rajas you were the rajas and we never said we're crossing over to the other episode yeah I but know. That, that'll make sense to people down the track but yeah, yeah, yeah. so the as as you said the uh the rjs become the rajas yeah. and you were the backing band for for festival so you were the house band for festival records so it still must have been a great chemistry he he was the leader of you guys a little bit earlier yeah and now coming back in as the the temp leader i suppose how, how did did everything just roll on as normal with you guys as mates and all that sort of stuff oh yeah of course and uh and especially i mean dig used to sometimes uh just take john with him john hayton and and do little spots here and there you know but dig went into a different phase where he was his management was taken over by a guy called bill watson who was managing lucky star and of course bill watson wanted him to be uh, a sort of a straight sort of a guy and a comedian, you know. And of course, Dig's a pretty amiable guy and he goes along with anything you say. And I mean, uh, he was sick of the old image of being the pretty boy all the time. And because he was the pretty boy, he can't be any good, you know what and I mean? He was, uh, was classed as the James Dean of Australian rock and yeah, roll, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. So to get out of that image and, and look like something else, you know, Dig was up for that. In 1965, Dig becomes a TV compare and hosts his own Australian-wide program, the Dig Richards Ampole Show. And it was like a variety-type show, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, that, that was like Bill Watson trying to make him into somebody straight, you know. Like, he, he, did, he didn't want the old uh, rock and roll teenage idol image. So it was, so. It was a, a fair way removed from, say, a six o'clock rock and rough oh, and ready type thing. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, was, he was trying to change his uh, image. Uh, I mean... It was easy for us to change our image, you know. We we're a band. We 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 didn't have to try and live up to any image because we didn't have one. <laughs> <laughs> 
So Dig, like yourself, performed for the troops in Vietnam. I'll go into your Vietnam experience in the Rajas episode. However, can you tell me a bit about the song that Dig released in 1967 on the CBS label, The Aussie Bush Hat? Did he write this song? Ah, oh, look, that would have been something that Bill Watson would have cooked up. Because it's a great patriotic type song. Maybe he wrote it. Yeah, he, he wrote it, but it would have been something that Bill Watson would have pushed to do, you know, to fit his new image. To tie into, tie yeah, into that. Yeah, yeah, I'm no longer a teenage idol. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's about, it's about Dig's experience in Vietnam. Yeah, and, yeah, the bush hat. I, yeah. I, I do remember the song and everything. Here's Doug Richards' view on the Aussie bush hat. And I can certainly understand his point of view, but to me, at least a song like this covers part of our history. And since this time, there's been so many songs written and recorded about the Vietnam War. And I suppose in the very least, this song was written by somebody who was actually there and saw the conflict firsthand. Yeah, he did write that, uh, with a lot of help from Bill and all that sort of stuff. He didn't really want to do it because he thought it was a bit yucky, you know. Um, was, uh, it was sort of a tribute, but it was a bit puke-worthy, shall we say, you know. Um, he didn't like it. I didn't like it, because to me it was just such a, a condescending and... Uh, a sort of using the Vietnam War as a selling point for something. And that I didn't like that, and neither did Digby, Digby much, but Bill did because oh, there was money in the bank, man. Hey! Over a sad land, ridden with fear, a chopper lifted us to a place called Berea. And as I climbed on a stage and heard the men cheer, I wondered why had I come to sing my songs here. And after the show, in a tent with a beer, a soldier from Sydney started to bend my ear with a story of his mate who wasn't here to see the show in a place called Berea. The digger told me, my mate was looking forward to seeing the show. Not so much you, but the girls, you know. Oh, nothing against you, but there's no place to go, and all the boys wanted to see the show. Then last night we got escort duty to take the dock into the village, you see, where a child had been hurt. She was only age three. Just another job for my mate and me. When the doc saw the kid, it was already too late. He could see by what they'd done, she was Viet Cong bait. He yelled, get out, it's a trap, don't wait. Doc and me got out, but they zapped my mate. Until then, the soldier's voice was steady and set. Then it broke, and I saw that his eyes were wet. Before I left, he told me that he wanted me to have his mate's bush hat. Flying back over this land of fear, the bush hat in my hand still wet with tears, I think of the little girl and the soldier at Berea, and now I know why we have to be here. This story is true. It happened to me in South Vietnam where I was with an AFO show on June the 22nd, 1966. 
and to remind me of it always, I have the Aussie bush hat. You've, uh, as we remarked before, spent more time in Vietnam almost than the 1st Battalion. <laughs> and I wonder if you'd look at the storm now, Cole joined Little Patty in Vietnam, and uh, perhaps you might recognise where they're playing. Sure. It's, uh, it's not sure. identified with the little bit of script we got. Here we go. Cole joined Little Patty and the Joy Boys in Vietnam. Do you have any idea of the location? Well, it, a lot of it looks the same, so I... Do the fellows know beforehand who's coming in, or they're just aware there's a concert party coming through? Well, they have to, sometimes they only decide two weeks before who's going to be along. That's the reason they don't know, but usually it seeps along the grapevine and they find out before they arrive. And they're magnificent audiences, of course. Marvellous. You spend a lot of time after the show talking with them. I guess there's so many things they want to know about back home. Well, we uh, talk to as many as possible, but a lot of times they have to go straight back into action uh, so that the people that are in action at the time can come and see the show. You see, they replace them. Oh, it's more or a shuttle. Mm, they shuttle them all the time. It looks very hot there. Jesus. Do you find that? 110, 120. Hey, do you perform, I think, on the back of a truck? Yeah, right? sometimes. Uh -huh. How many shows would you do in a day? Three is the most that you would do. Little Patty, finding the Joy Boys there. She is. I hope that lots of people seeing this will see uh, the faces of those near and dear to them. The boys would love to see her anyway. I think that's right up near the front line. They were almost within uh, earshot of the mm. sounds of battle. Yeah. Well, that's where they are. You've got to go. There they are. Well, Cole and Patty will be back in a couple of weeks, and uh, we're planning a special with them that I'm sure everyone will find very interesting. Uh, especially if you've got friends or relatives serving in Vietnam. It will be a request show from the boys for people at home, and that should be in about a month's time. The next few years, Dig spends performing overseas in the UK and the USA and working at his craft. He records in the UK, including the quirky little Pepito. A little Pepito, the Spanish bandito. His pistolas hung down to his knees. Ah, little Pepito, the Spanish bandito. Terra of the marketplace Everyone knows his face Brave men run away in fear Whenever Pepito is near He draws his big black gun Lines up everyone Just when he thinks he's won He says Hey hombre Stick down, this is a hands up I mean Up foot, this is a hand stick Oh no with something to believe in on the flip side. Digby had gone to England, right? And he had the most incredible run of bad luck there, right? And there's something to believe in. And little Pepito started to get a lot of airplay and needed to have more records. And what did they do? They had a strike on uh, either production of records or production of vinyl. And then the next record he did, 
had the same, a very similar thing, you know, so without one or the other, you couldn't make records. A distribution thing, yeah. So that really annoyed him, you know, so he just just couldn't turn a trick. I mean, he did a lot of stuff there. He did a lot of backings for people because he had a particularly rich, low voice. And when he sang bass voice, which he did, he made Pee Wee Wilson sound like a tenor. <laughs> song that I can sing along with Just give me something to believe in Come on and read me a book where I don't know every line of it Just give me something to believe in I've heard the words that you have spoken Believe the promises you've broken Right now the skies are gray Can't wait for a sunny day The skies are gonna be on their way uh, Sing me a song that I can sing along with Just give me something to believe in Read me a book where I don't know every line of it Just give me something to believe in the music that we made together I will remember forever We had too much too soon Down came a red balloon Right now music's not in tune Come on and sing me a song That I can sing along with Just give me something to believe in it was yeah. released through Europe and yeah, so it was a bit of, it was just why I think he was there just working and trying, trying his best. Sort oh of yeah. Trying, trying new stuff. I mean, look, it wasn't until Dig went to America and started writing his own songs that suddenly it all started coming together, you know, and, uh, and Dig did some great stuff from then on because he'd found it he'd found another image and he'd gotten away from that stupid image that Bill Watson was trying to give him and he as you said he found himself as a musician all of a sudden he was like we'd said before everyone was growing and and dig grew as a musician and became yeah. you know people from that era he he was one of the one of the ones that was able to transgress through the 60s into the 70s into the 80s yeah. and his music moved on on through this as we'll hear in this episode so you as a musician, will you be able to? Was it hard to speak a, a musician's language with Dig to start with, or was he just a singer to begin with? No, no. Dig could always play a bit of guitar. I mean, John had never let him play. He yep. reckoned he wasn't good enough. Yeah. But uh, you know, he could always strum out a few chords and everything. So, so musically, uh, you know, Dig was. Uh, no, he wasn't just a lead singer. He actually knew about music, you know. But as a guitarist later on, as we hear in this music, he put out some complex music, wrote yeah. some complex music. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he used to get together with John and uh, and work out a lot of stuff, you know, Johnny Hayton. So Dig became pretty good at that. And, and you'd always be going to Dig's place and Doug would be there with his guitar chundering away and John and everyone playing bloody guitars yeah you know too many guitars <laughs> especially for a drummer <laughs> yeah yeah I know. 
Showing a change in style, Dig releases one single on the EMI label, Patricia Anthony. Patricia Anthony writes letters to dear Abby. She writes a letter every day. I read her letters in the paper every morning. Tonight I'll write to her and say, Yeah, I'll say, Come on in, Patricia Anthony, into my lonely life today. Yeah, I'll say, Come on in, Patricia Anthony. Love has a funny way of finding a way. Patricia Anthony wrote back to me this morning. Special delivery it came. I sent a photograph and she sent one back to me. We found our feelings were the same. So I say, come on in, Patricia Anthony, into my lonely life today. Yeah, I say. But pressure Anthony Love has a funny way of finding a way And a funky little song called A Man's Gotta Be Free I saw something on a road ahead And it looked like an old man walking So I pulled to a stop beside him there And pretty soon we started talking I said, what's an old man like you Doing out in the middle of nowhere With your fine cut suit and your Stetson hat Sure looked to me like you had the bus fare He said, a man has got to be free To be where he wants to be He said, a man has got to be free Money and fine looking clothes, it sure ain't no way to travel. And then he turned to me with a gleam in his eyes, and this tale he started unravel. He said, Son, I'm a millionaire, sure, I got money to burn. I got closets full of clothes and shoes to match, and a very big wheel to turn. But he said, A man, a man, got to be free. To be where I want to be. He said, A man, a man. And limousines and everything money can buy And if there's anything at all I wish to acquire I don't even have to try Just think about this for a little while And you'll see just where it's at With all this money and all the good things It tends to make a man fat I don't really mean to say It makes him large around the girth But it tends to make him close his mind To the place of his humble birth He said a man has got to be free There ain't no use here for money and such that I'm used to leaning on. 
Well, I wanted to hear some more from him, so I asked him to ride along. He said, no thanks, son, you got a job to do, and uh, you better travel along. So I drove my truck around the next bend, and I saw why he turned me down. A chauffeur-driven car was waiting there just to take him on back to town. You know, it's been a long time since I saw that old man walking along the road. But it seems to me that he found a good way to ease his worrisome load. He said, a man tonight's got to be free To be where he wants to be So Dig burst back onto the charts in 1971 with the release of the album Harlequin through RCA. Playing country rock and now known by his real name, Digby Richards, the album features some great songs including the hit song Little Piece of Peace. I have found my little piece of peace Feeling your warm body close to mine Surely heaven couldn't be this fine You dry my tears, my fears all fly away Subside Weary of the day Impatient for the night When you dry my tears Then we'll love our fears away This song goes on to reach number 12 on the charts and it must have been great to see your old band leader back in fashion. 
Oh, no, it was, because I, I knew all the guys that uh, he recorded that with. They were a band called Scra, which was uh, a Peter Martin guitar player's band. And uh, this is a band that sort of came out of the, uh, the chant, which was a band I was in. And... Uh, it, it was the time of uh, Blood, Sweat and Tears in Chicago, that that kind of a band. And so uh, Dig used that, and that was some of the first time. You, the, the backing sounded really good, and, and Dig's songs were great. Well, yeah, he the production is starting to, to match his quality as a musician, so it's yeah. it, was, it was great to hear what he was able to do. Yeah, the recording qualities were getting better than the old festival days, <laughs> days you know. <laughs> Here's an interview with Digby on the Australian TV show, GTK. Dig Richards has come up with a good news song. Where have you been? Uh, for the last five or six years, Bernie, I've uh, been travelling around the world, spending six months approximately a year in Australia, and the rest of the time outside, either performing or uh, trying to get a record off the ground. I've what you called, what I might call, tramp steamed my way around. Well, what sort of places have you been working in? Uh, clubs in the east. Uh, I'd play the Intercontinental Hotel circuit. Say they have one in Manila. Uh, the Hilton in Bangkok and Hong Kong. Well, what sort of work did you do in Britain? You were there for a year, I think. I was there for a year. I only planned to be there for six months, but um, uh, we stayed a little longer. Went there purely and simply to make some records and to try and get one off the ground. Well, you started in the bright but somewhat frivolous early days of rock mm. and a lot of the, your associates of those days have fallen by the wayside. How have you managed to sort of stay with it? Ah, well, I, I don't really know except to say that uh, I believe in involvement. I'm, I like performing. I like uh, the involvement of music. In other words, I like what's happening now. Uh, and in, in the pursuit of all these things, I've somehow stayed somewhere. I don't know where, but... Well, what prompted Peace of Peace? The record, well, in England I became involved in songwriting, serious songwriting. Uh, I'm not somebody who can churn out six songs a week, but uh, I would work for five or six hours a day on writing songs now. And I was sitting in my dingy little office with a stingy ray of sunlight <laughs> coming through the window, and I... I thought, well, everybody for years has talked about peace in the world. Everybody is fighting to try and get a peaceful existence. But really, in the world today, where does one have their little piece of peace? And really, I think every man has it in the arms of a woman that he loves and he trusts. Some people only get this peace for five or six seconds, maybe, but that's where it's at for me. Now, you recorded it in Melbourne, didn't you? In Melbourne, at the Armstrong studio set up there. They used the 16-track for the first time, I think, didn't they? Well, it was the first 16-track recorder in Australia, and just by chance, mine was the first record to be done on it. Mm, yeah. But 16-track recorders don't mean a lot unless the people can become involved and believe in what they're doing, which they do down there, far past the point of, of earning a dollar. Another great song on this album is Dirty River, and again, it sees Digby in fine form.
me down on the big old rock of the river's ebb and flow. Away from the prying faces, she and I would go. We love under the stars and talk at the time when we'd be free. When we'd come of age and could run away from our feuding families. Oh, what happy times they Amongst you guys, did he go by Digby or Dig? How 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 did you guys refer to him? Oh, he was usually Dig. It was was always John that called him uh, Digby, or or he'd call call him George. Okay, yeah. that was his second name. Okay, yeah. Digby George Richards, and then come on, George, what are you doing? You know, yeah. So the, the Digby was just a new image. Like he decided, well, to change from Dig Richards, the guy with the lightning bolt sweater. Yeah, yeah. I'll become Digby, and you know my musical musical style will change with that with the name change. Well, yeah. Well, I suppose he he was always Digby, but I mean, when Johnny Hayton first discovered him in in 1957 or whatever it was. He sort of got him for the band because he had such a good name, Dig, <laughs> Dig Richards. How cool is that? And and then John used to be the one that we always every now and again call him Digby. So you, he was obviously John picked well. He is a guy that had a great name, looked good, and then turned out to be a great singer and musician as yeah. well. So oh yeah, 
Yeah, uh, he he kicked a goal when he got digging the band, and that was at a <laughs> uh, a record store in uh, in the middle of the city, wasn't yeah. it? They were just hanging yeah, out. Stanley and- Johnson's. They were hanging out, and uh, and and I think Dig Dig was trying to sing Bopalina, which is an old Ronnie Self tune. And he was going, oops, scoobly doobly 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 And he, he kept getting, John said, no, 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 no. Now it's, oops, scoobly doobly Lena, go cat, go, Bopalina, Bopalina. He went, oh, right. And then they started chanting, and they were both trying out guitars. And they went, and John thought, hey, this guy looks good, you know. He's not much of a guitar player, but I'll get him for the band. <laughs> <laughs> Had a great decision. <laughs> yeah. So Digby has more chart success with another single off the Harlequin album with the release of People Call Me Country, which reaches number 27 on the ARIA charts. I spent 25 days walking on a freeway Leaving home Going it alone Gone to the city City ain't so pretty But it's calling me Calling me Asphalt fields and concrete trees 707 mockingbirds A flying in the sky My country clothes brought smiles To the faces of the people Country ways seem better days Sometimes I die for the things I left behind I left them behind Yeah, people call me country, but I don't mind They laugh and call me country, but I don't mind If country means love freely given A kind of way to be living Then you can call me country, I don't mind Someone to love ain't easy Finding a woman's as hard as it can be Just ask me People are hurrying by Nobody sees the tear in a country boy's eye How I cry The wind in the country trees is a lonely sound The singing of the steel mockingbirds puts me down Clothes on my back are all that I can call my own But I'll stay till I make it I'm gonna make it I ain't never going home Going home Yeah, people call me country, but I don't mind They laugh and call me country, but I don't mind
Yeah, these are all the good songs that Dig, uh, I think he composed most of those when he was in America. Yeah. Uh, he'd come back with some great songs. And his fans hadn't forgotten him. No, no, well, yeah, Dig was one of those guys that the, the fans did stay with him, you know, no matter that he went through all these different changes and they'd all still remember the face and whatever. And Dig was a pretty personable guy, you know, and he he, he got on well with everybody. And talking about the girls, you held a piece of their heart. You know, Dig was a charming, charming guy and uh, – you know, you'd never hear a bad word coming out of Dick. You know, he's always nice to people. And I think in the really early stages there, he was kind of embarrassed by his success, you know, because he was kind of shy, I suppose. And uh, he he was embarrassed to be called a teenage idol and all that stuff, you know. And he, I think he, then he tried to live that down there for a while. And But, yeah, but his personality always came through. Dick Richards has come up with a good new song. Where have you been? Uh, for the last five or six years, Bernie, I've uh, been travelling around the world, spending six months approximately a year in Australia, and the rest of the time outside, either performing or uh, trying to get a record off the ground. I've what you called, what I might call, tramp steamed my way around. Well, what sort of places have you been working in? Uh, clubs in the east. Uh, I'd play the Intercontinental Hotel circuit say they have one in Manila, uh, the Hilton in Bangkok and Hong Kong. What sort of work did you do in Britain? You were there for a year, I think. I was there for a year. I only planned to be there for six months, but um, uh, we stayed a little longer. Went there purely and simply to make some records and to try and get one off the ground. Well, you started digging the bright but somewhat frivolous early days of rock, mm -hmm. and a lot of the, your associates of those days have fallen by the wayside. How have you managed to sort of stay with it? Ah, well, I, I don't really know, except to say that uh, I believe in involvement. I'm, I like performing. I like uh, the involvement of music. In other words, I like what's happening now. Uh, and in, in the pursuit of all these things, I've somehow stayed somewhere. I don't know where, but... Well, what prompted Peace of Peace? The record, well, in England I became involved in songwriting serious songwriting. Uh, I'm not somebody who can churn out six songs a week, but uh, I would work for five or six hours a day on writing songs now. And I was sitting in my dingy little office with a stingy ray of sunlight <laughs> coming through the window, and I, I thought, well, everybody for years has talked about peace in the world. Everybody is fighting to try and get a peaceful existence, but really, in the world today, where does one have their little piece of peace and really I think every man has it in the arms of a woman that he loves and he trusts. Some people only get this piece for five or six seconds maybe but that's where it's at for me. Now you recorded it in Melbourne didn't you? In Melbourne at the Armstrong studio set up there. They used the 16 track for the first time I think didn't they? Well it was the first 16 track recorder in Australia and just by chance mine was the first record to be done on it. Mm. 16-track recorders don't mean a lot unless the people can become involved and believe in what they're doing, which they do down there, far past the point of, of earning a dollar. It didn't make the top 40 charts, but I reckon Ashton County Park is a fantastic song, and it comes off this Harlequin album, and it just shows Diggity's best.
So following the success of the Harlequin album, Digby heads to LA to record the follow-up and in 1973 releases a self-titled album, Digby Richards, and again he has chart success. He's morphed into a country rock star rather than the pop teen idol and again, it must have been great to see your old mate just rocking out. Wow, yeah, well it's funny that uh, when Dig came back, I mean the day, it was the day after he came back, John Hayton and I went over to see him, you know, and he played us all the tapes and we're listening, oh yeah, this is great, Dig, this is great. And, and did you write this? Yeah, you write, write that one. And then uh, then he played, the one that blew us away was that he played Rock and Roll, I Gave You the Best Years of My Life. Rock and Roll, I gave you all the best years of my life. All my crazy, lazy young days. All the magic summer nights. I can still remember. When I bought my first guitar, remember just how good the feeling was Putting it proudly in my car And my family listened 50 times to my two-song repertoire And I told them all that their only son was bound to be a star I bought all the Beatle records I sounded just like Paul and I bought all the old Chuck Berries, 78s and all And I sat by my record player Playing every note they played And I watched them all on TV Making every move they made Rock and roll, I gave you all the best years of my life all my dreamy sunny Sundays All the moonlit summer nights While I was busy in the back room Writing love songs to you You were changing your directions And you never even knew That I was always Just one step behind you We we both said, "Dig that that's so autobiographical, you know. That's one of the best songs you've ever written." And he said, "Oh, he had to confess." He said, "I didn't write it. A guy called Kevin Johnson wrote it." I said, "Well, I'll be, you know. It's even got his girlfriend Sue, and it's got all Dig's life in there." <laughs> <laughs> so, did, did Kevin write this about Dig, or just Kevin just wrote the song no, and it no, just fitted well, Dig so well? No, well, like. Kevin, Kevin did, did did tell me later that uh, the first time he saw us at, was at uh, I think it was Rockhampton or Townsville, and uh, he was really impressed by Dig and and he reckons that after seeing that show that was when he went and bought a guitar. Wow! <laughs> so, you know when I first bought my guitar. And we can't, you can never put a number on this, but the amount of musicians and people that you guys would have inspired to become rock and roll singers and, and, and lifelong musicians that contributed to the Australian music scene, it's, it's unquantifiable. But as you just said then, you know, someone like Kevin Johnson, rock and roll, I gave you the best years yeah. of my life, you guys inspired him to grab a guitar. I know. I mean, sometimes, you know, you don't realise these things until years later. Uh, there, there was a... A young guy that came to see me when we were playing in Dig's hometown, Naruma, you know, with Dig Richards and the RJs. And there's even a picture of him in the Woman's Weekly, at just the back of his head. And he's 10 years old, this kid. 
and it was a guy called Dave Tuil who plays the drums with Mental as Anything. Okay, yes. Yep. Yeah, and that was he, – he saw saw me when he was 10 and went, that's it, I'm going to be a drummer. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and look and at, we still laugh about it. And look at the, some of the hits the Mentals have put out, you know. I it's know, incredible. I know, I know, so. So the standout song on the Digby Richards album – is called Spunky Monkey and it's released a great success. It hits number 12 on the charts, and the lyrics are a good laugh, but the music is just so funky and catchy. And I'm assuming there was some sort of spunky monkey dance that went along with this song, was there? I don't know. Dig used to come up with some strange ideas sometimes. (laughs) But at least he had the conviction to carry him through. And that song just rocks along too, you know, from a a guy who's released a song in 1959 and – to, to having such a, a funky style song, it's it just shows his versatility as a performer. Yeah, well, he was versatile. I mean, he had a, he had a kind of a versatile voice, you know. In the early days, we used to worry about whether he could get the higher notes and everything, because he 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 had quite a good baritone voice as well. But you know, most of the rock and roll things were up there, you know, and Digger be struggling to get up there. We go, is he going to make it? <laughs> you know. 
So, uh, I, mean, I mean, his singing just got better and better. The next song that Digby Richards releases off this album is another top 40 hit, New York City. New York City, great song, yeah. Um, great piece of song. was also recorded in America several times by Americans. I do hope that uh, um, Digby's estate, uh, because by the time it was done, he was also dead at that point. Uh, so I do hope that Susanna... Suzanne um, received the royalties because it was recorded uh, by a pretty couple of pretty prominent, what's the name, uh, George Hamilton IV did it and a couple of other co- uh, prominent country people did that and they did it okay and it was Digby songs. that one yeah uh, when when dig came back we had to learn all these songs 
you know, because we were going on tour with him, John and me, and it was like the old band was back. And we did a we did a whole lot of uh, stuff for a few months. Um, and we used to like playing that one, New York City, and yeah, that was good fun. And and uh, one place we played was uh, was North Sydney, and, and Dig's father Gordon came to see us, and he was almost in tears seeing the whole band back together again on stage. It was it was great. You mentioned Gordon then. He was he was the manager of the band or the Dig Richards and yeah, the RJs. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and we used to call him the, yeah, we used to call him the blunderer. Okay, yeah. You know, because he, you know, I mean, he was new at the whole game. I mean, it, we all, everyone was new. People didn't know what to do. But, you know, Peter Baker, the bass player, always complained about Gordon. You know, he's, he's, he's goofed up again, you know. He's, he's the blunderer. <laughs> <laughs> Another standout song on the Digby Richards album is Sweetwater Valley. This song has a great country rock sound. Recorded in LA, as we said before, the production values went up a few steps from the old festival days. Home is where sweet water falls and down to take a little drinks like sipping wine Home is where the little woman lies waiting, keeping it warm I gotta make it back by the summertime Give me a drink of sweet water Give me the taste of a wine Feel that my woman's body nestling close to mine And I know I'm home, home I know I'm home Sweet water valley, I know I'm home the sweet, sweet waterfall Where sweet water falls And lying down to love her Is just like tasting wine I'm lying on my back In a fruit thick shack And I know I'll go crazy If I don't make it back By the summertime So she can give me a drink Of sweet water Give me the taste of her wine Feel of her woman's body nestling close to mine, then I'll know I'm home. Home, I'll know I'm home. Sweet water valley, I know I'm home. Where the sweet, sweet water falls. Around this time, 1975, Dig joins forces with your partner in crime, Johnny Hayton, and with Johnny forms the uh, Farmer John persona. Dig adds vocals and plays guitar, along with John, of course. Brian Cadd's on piano, Phil Manning, and they release a country funk album, Farmer John. 
Where were you? Oh, I was behind it all, you know, but I, I was I was doing something else. I, I was in the chant, a band, band called The Chant, and we were playing that now, Blood, Sweat and Tears, Chicago type things, and I was loving every minute of it. But I used to still go over there and, and, and dig saying, we're going to make John a star, you know, we're going to call him Farmer John. So we had a good laugh about that, <laughs> you know. And uh, and I wrote some of the arrangements okay, yep. for him, you know, because I used to write arrangements. So I wrote some of the arrangements for the songs. And then Dig took the whole the, – they went down to Melbourne and, and, and got all these guys from – was it Tweed Harris and uh, yeah, well, a whole was, lot of people. Yeah, yeah, but all, all the good guys in Melbourne Phil anyway. Manning, yeah. Yeah. Phil Manning and uh, – uh, drummer, good drummer. Anyway, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> in 1977, Dig releases another album titled Collections. The album doesn't have the chart success of his previous solo albums, but it still has some great songs on it. And to me, one of the highlights is a song called Mr. Hard Man. Another song I really like off the Collections LP is Little Suzuki. Again, it's showing Dig progresses from, from style to style. Dig's music is back in vogue and he continues to write and record some fantastic songs. In 1977, another single was released, Where There's Smoke, There's Fire. This song has a great groove on it and again, it just shows Dig's progression as an artist. I was born a country 
In 1980, Dig Again shows his willingness to take chances and bring his audience along for the ride. His next album is titled The Thing Is, and it contains a song called Hong Kong Nights. So it's using synthesizers, and Dig is not adverse to new technologies. LP sells well, but chart-wise it doesn't reach the heights of the earlier albums. However, musically it's equal to anything that's been released at the time. Another highlight on this album is the catchy Go For The Doctor. Let's 
songwriter, Dig releases another album in 1982, If You Could Read My Mind. This album leans more towards the American genre of yacht rock, such as Steely Dan and Kenny Loggins and Christopher Cross. Dig is the best Australian exponent at this laid-back style of rock, and there's some really catchy tunes on this album, such as Back to the Islands. Thinking of you, yeah. 
understand I just had to go back to the islands Another song on the If You Could Read My Mind LP is called Heart to Heart and it's a softer song that focuses on Diggs' vocals. I think Dig just lashed out and wrote a whole lot of stuff uh, in those days. Um, some of them were hits and some of them were just uh, everyday songs, you know, and you just put them out there. What I often find too to fans, some of the deeper album cuts are some of the songs that really, really attract you to that artist. So it's not necessarily the hits that people remember Dig by, it's you know, songs have, have meanings in different parts of their lives for different reasons. And for an artist that was around for such a long period of time, obviously Dig had a, uh, an influence on people's lives. Oh, I'm, absolutely. I, I think, you know, and, and Dig, you know, if you're in that songwriting uh, feel, you know, you just put out whatever comes to your mind. And, uh, and, and sometimes it's the law of averages for every 12 songs you put out. 
two of them are going to be good and uh, 10 of them are probably going to be ordinary, you know. So, and then, and then even in those 10, some of them will have meaning to other people and, and, and have their own little life. Sadly, Dig is diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and in his early 40s and still a young man. This is obviously a really hard time for his family and his friends when this was diagnosed. Oh, yeah, we were all just devastated, you know. It, it's, it's too young. You know, I mean, Dig had a pretty full life and a pretty, uh, pretty ha- happy, happy-go-lucky life, and uh, he took it in his stride, you know, and uh, he just showed us all up, just the way he, um, he took it all so calmly. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty awful. On the 17th of February 1983, Digby George Richards passes away, aged just 42. Australian music lost one of its pioneers and you lost a mate. Obviously, wounds like that are very hard to heal, are they, Leon? Oh, they are. Look, we, we went round to see Dig as often as possible, you know, and, uh, and he, he was, you know, withering away and he used to laugh. We, we'd get there... At, to his place at Northbridge, and uh, and John was John Hayton was going through the, this period where he had uh, arthritis and everything, and uh, we'd all be sitting around, usually somebody playing guitars, and uh, somebody else would knock on the door, and I'd say, "If it's another guitar player, you can't come in." And then and then Dig would always say, "Well, I bet I bet I can beat you to the door, John," and he and he would too. So he said. You know, so uh, so he's still I, a good I'm a, yeah, I like I'm in better shape than you guys. You're <laughs> <laughs> still the leader to the end. Oh yeah, of course he was. Yeah, our fearless leader. Shortly before his death, a benefit concert was held for Dig and his old gang, the RJ's Reform, and play the last ever gig. That must have been a great musical journey for you to go full circle. Obviously, under bad situation, but for the RJs to reform together on the stage, that must have been a great feeling for you guys as musicians. Oh, look, it was. It, it just brought everything back, and everything just came so easy. And Dig still had that uh, that ability to to get the crowd involved. You know, uh, he was a pretty amazing as a live entertainer. You know, which uh, people forget about that. The fact that he could just hold them all and he could he could build the show right to the incredible climax. Uh, when we did the show at, uh, I think I told you before, but when we when we did the show at North Sydney Leagues and uh, and Dig's father came along, you know, he was absolutely in tears, you know, seeing it seeing us all together again. He was Dig's manager for so long, you know, the blunderer. <laughs>
You've just listened to a podcast brought to you by Marcos Promotions. Written, produced and presented by my dad, Sheldon the Kangaroo Kid. This is Molly Kidd saying to my good friend, Holly Kirsten, Hit it, girl! Hey, my friends, I've got something to tell you. About a place that I've been to and now Now I know the world is so much wider Than I knew and I wanna let you know You gotta throw away your fears, you gotta get down here The weather is so nice, so nice, so nice Australia is so nice could take a tour down in Sydney Take the ferry down to the opera house Oh, it's such a beautiful city 